0: BetterHelp.com You deserve to be happy types of therapy, individual, couples, teens, the world's largest therapy service, 100% online, professional licensed and vetted therapists who you can trust. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced therapists who can help you with a range of issues including depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. With BetterHelp's therapist, you get the same professionalism and quality you would expect from an in-office therapist. With the ability to communicate when and how you want, get matched to the best therapist for your. For you, answer a few questions to find a therapist that who fits your needs and preferences. Tap into their largest network of licensed, professional, board-certified providers. Communicate your way: messaging, chat, phone, video. Talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable. Therapy when you need it. Message your therapist anytime from anywhere. No scheduling needed. Schedule a live session at a time that's convenient for you. Connect from your phone, tablet, or computer. Good morning. Hope you had a good week. Here is Chapter 12 of American Dirt by Jeanine Cummins. Even if they knew how long it might be before the next train, they cannot conceive of boarding La Bestia now that they've been now that they've seen how it's done. Lydia thinks it's over while they walk the seven miles to the Away, Toka? Would she put Luca on the ladder first? She would have us she would have to. There's no way he she could jump on and leave him standing beneath the train without her. Could she run and climb on it if he held on? To her neck, his legs wrapped tightly around her waist. It seems physically impossible. Each time she tries to picture it, the fancy ends the same way, butchery. Luca distracts himself from how tired his legs are becoming by looking at the unusual sights. They pass a place that is full of every kind of statue. Bears, lions, cowboys, dolphins, angels, and crocodiles. They pass some men who are laying bricks to build a wall. They pass a woman who is vacuuming instead of sweeping her front step which makes Lucas squeeze Mamie's hand so she'll see it too. When they pass the school and Lucas sees some kids playing football in the yard, he realizes Thursday that, and that he should be in school in Acapulco. And Papi should be picking him up his, this afternoon because Thursday is Pappy's day to pick him up. And sometimes Pappy buys some gall- galletas and they eat them on the way home if he promises to tell Mamie. After that, Lucas doesn't look at the sights anymore he watches his feet even though the sun feeds, feels hot on the back of his neck, and it takes him almost three hours to walk to Huehuetoka. Sorry for the mispronunciation. When they arrive, they easily find the place they're looking for as it sits neatly beside the railroad tracks behind a wind whipped green fence. The Casa del Magrante is still is a gathering of tents and simple structures on the large flat parcel of land that's safe between being beautiful only by the utilitarian character of its buildings. The wide road that separates the castle from the rubble tracks is of dirt and rubble and is empty as far as Luca can see. It's flat here for a long stretch, but in the distance when he allows his eyes to follow, he tracks to the horizon. <coughs> Luca can see the landscape ep- erupt upward on both sides. The clouds, puffy and brilliant, come down to meet it. There are bald fields all around the beyond and behind the casa, and on the far side of the track as well. But Luca can see that the soil has been intended to turned striped with darker bands of earth where the farmers will grow their crops at the right season. There's a rich mineral scent on the wind. Luca and Lydia cross the parched road hand in hand and approach the chain link fence. that has been woven through with strips of green plastic so it's no longer transparent. Three strings of barbed wire cut through the air atop the fence and two signs hang beneath it. The first is a cloudy a sunstruck blue and has a painting of Jesus' and Mary so Luca expects it to be a blessing. But it says, Brother Margaret, we will watch over you and protect you from polleros, guides, and coyotes so that you may enjoy a happy stay here with our hospitality. Anyone found to be in transgression of these specifications will be handed over to the appropriate authorities. May God protect you on your journey. The second sign is much less flower, a list of rules written in a plain black front so long uh, that it's only a decoration, a red banner at the very bottom sits in direct contact with the dirt below. Welcome brother and sister travelers, Luca reads some of the rules at random. Persons requesting admission to the CASA must be migrants from this country or other countries or deportees from the United States. Drugs and alcohol are prohibited. Anyone presenting symptoms of their use will be denied entry. Please remember this is a place of sanctuary here. You may rest while God restores your strength for the journey yet ahead of you. Your stay here must therefore be transitory and limited to a maximum of three nights. Before he can finish reading the list, two men greet them from the far side of the fence. Only their heads are visible above the green plastic stripping. One is an older man with dark glasses and gray hair and he does the talking. Bienvenida, hermana, he says. He steps closer to the fence so now Luca can see his shoulders as well. Between the strings of barbed wire, he's wearing a dark blue cardigan Smells smiles an you're in need of shelter. Luca nods, you are migrants? Lydia nods, reluctantly claiming the word. Here, the man says, kindly, kindly gesturing to his stocky younger cousin companion to open a gate a few feet away. Please come in. Inside the fit sits an unpainted cinder block building with open open air windows covered in sheets of black tarpaulin. It's ugly and it's bleak shadow stills to Luca and thieves relief right out of him. The older man folds his hand and speaks softly. Are you in any me- immediate danger? Lydia thinks before she answers, No, I don't think so. Not right now. Do you have any immediate <coughs> Medical needs? No, we aren't healthy. are healthy. Gross's ideals, mine says Thank God, Lydia agrees. Are you thirsty? He turns to walk, indicating that they should oh, Yes, a little. They round the corner of the ugly gray building and suddenly the <coughs> space opens around them. Look as slungs fill up with the rush that he'd been waiting for. The chain link fence that surrounds the entire compound and is open only at the front. So he can see now beyond his boundaries in the back, across the bare cornfields to the town of Huehuaytoka. Hue- <coughs> Nearby, its houses clustering merrily up the hillside. Large prickly, large prickly pear plants gather in clumps out just outside the fence. Their wide petals, cartoonishly green in the golden afternoon. The compound is much bigger than it looked from the road. There's one white man, a small house, a chapel, a string of porter parties, and two gigantic warehouses. Welcome to the Casa del Magrante, San Marco Vandiviano. De, 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 de I am Padre Rey. This is one of my helpers, Nestor. Nestor raises one hand and slip but doesn't look at them. He keeps his eyes on Padre Rey's black sandals. We'll get you something to drink right away and you can freshen up for a few minutes. Look at Texas Sun beneath the straps of his backpack, Hermana Cecilia. We'll get you registered after you've had a little rest. Thank you, Padre. Lydia says, God bless you for your kindness. Let's step inside the first of the two warehouse buildings. And even though it's well lit, it takes Lucas' eyes a few minutes to adjust. It's the first time he's been out of the stark sunshine. (coughs) The stark sunshine all day. At a table, a boy and a girl, both younger than Luca, are coloring. The girl turns her head this way and that, admiring her artwork. A group of men and women sit at another table, some cleaning and sorting beans, others peeling carrots, bright orange shreds in piles on the table. In the farthest corner of the large room, more men are watching football. Luca and Lydia choose an empty table and sit on lime green plastic chairs. A lady with a red coverall apron brings them two glasses of cold lemonade. It's an unnumbered tint, but Luca gulps it gratefully anyway. Dinner is at 7. The woman explains apologetically. We can't make any exception unless it's a medical emergency. It's after 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They haven't eaten since the tortillas besides the tracks early this morning, but no, it's okay. We're fine. Lydia says, thank you. As the woman returns to the kitchen, Lydia is swamped with emotion. She swallows it. With lemonade. She examines the faces of the people at the other tables, but no one looks at her. Hermana Cecilia soon appears and brings them to her small office. She's a tidy little woman, and her office is of prepared. is papered with children's artwork. A pot on her desk holds a pink plastic flower. There are green chairs just like the ones in the big room. Hermana Cecilia's voice is the most soothing sound Luca has ever heard, a peaceful, un- uninflected hum of determined protection so that no one, no matter what words she says, the words Luca hears are you are safe here, you are safe here, you are safe. From the self from a shelf behind her desk she produces a tub of crayons and a small stack of clean white paper. Would you like to stay here and draw? she asks look and her with her humble voice with her hum voice, or sit in the big room with the other children. Luca's hand shoots out and grabs Mamie, It's okay, Hermann says she yeah, says can stay with your mammy. Lydia stands to pluck the backpack from her shoulders. She encourages Luca to sit on, sit at her other desk beside the door. This way you can call she says. You won't have to hold the paper on your lap. Luca sits and Lydia returns to sit across from the nun who has some paperwork and a file folder in front of her. Before we begin, I want you to know that you don't have to answer anything that makes you uncomfortable. I ask that you try because the answers you give will help us assist poor people in the future to prepare for new patterns of arrivals. But all the information we gather here is is anonymous. You needn't give your real name unless you want to. Lydia nods her consent and then lifts cap off her pen, and they begin names and ages. Lydia gives a little twist of her neck before she responds. I'm 32, and my son is eight. Hermana. Cecilia writes down Maria 32 E, Z, A. Where are you traveling from? She hesitates and asks a question of her own. No one has access to these files. Armana Cecilia folds her hands and leans slightly forward. I assure you, Armada, whatever whoever you're worried about will never see these files. The only copy is kept locked in that pilot cabin in this office also locked whenever I'm not here. Her eyes are blue and they twinkle when she smells I'm always here. Lionel's birth from Acapulco. Nun returns to her writing. Where is your intended destination? We're going to Estados and Needles. What city? Denver, a friendly city? The nun says, Pretty there, are you travelling for reasons of being reunited with a member of your immediate family? No. Do you have any do you have family members currently living in the United States? Yes, an uncle and two cousins. She hasn't seen that uncle of Boyle's younger brother since she was a young girl. She's never met his children. They're in Denver, Hermano Cecilia asks. Yes, are they are the... They are expecting you? No. Was your destination? Was your decision to migrate plans spontaneous? Spontaneously squeezes her clasped hands together between her thighs. Was the primary reason for your journey financial? No. Was the primary reason for your journey medical? No. Was the primary reason for your journey domestic violence? No. Was the primary reason for your journey related to cannabis or recruitment? No. Then shakes her head. Was the primary reason for your journey related to violence by a cartel or drug traffickers in your place of origin? Lydia closes throat. Yes, she says quietly. She can hear Lucas crammed moving rapidly across the paper in silky strokes. Are you currently fear for your life from a specific individual or individuals? Yes. Have you received direct threats to your safety? Lydia nods. Yes, for the threats, violent in nature. Yes. Can you describe the threats? Lydia scoots her chair closer and places her elbows on the edge of the desk. She folds her fingers together and lowers her head and her Boys. The cartel killed 16 members of our family. She starts staring at her, at the pen, and then does not look up for the paper. They came to a family party, and they shot everyone. My husband, my mother, my sister, and her children. Everyone. We escaped. Our monastery's pen is at a momentary loss. It hangs suspended over the feed for a few seconds before the nun can make it move again. She scribbles everything down and then makes her voice go again too. As your spontaneous migration resolves the immediate threat of to the safe to your safety and well-being. Lydia hesitates. Before everything she's ever thought about protecting Luca has changed now. She doesn't want him to be afraid, but she n- needs him to be very afraid. In any case, how can anything she does or does not say make any impact on him after what's already happened? She shakes her head. No, she admits we are still in danger. Even feel the threat has followed it, Luca, Lydia nods very slightly. Yes, I mean, he doesn't know where we are are right now, but it has a very powerful man who did this. His influence extends all the way to El Norte, and he won't stop looking until he finds us. Do you know which plazas belong to him, or who his allies are in other organizations? None Do you know which routes routes are safe for you to travel without his Falconists? <coughs> Lydia feels that this room has the sanctity of a confessional. No, he was? I don't know. I don't know. You are a long you are a long way from home, the nun says. He cannot find you here. You are safe here. Lucas Graham makes no, one, no sound behind her. The nun puts her pen in the cup beside her phone and trucks the paperwork into the folder. Then she stretches her hands across the desk toward Lady, who takes them in her hair and bows her head. When Lady closes her eyes, she realizes her hands are trembling and modest to say his fingers are cool to the touch. Padre Nuestra, bless these children with your love and grace. Protect them from any further harm, God, and provide them with comfort in their time of unspeakable grief. May Jesus walk the road with them and repair their broken hearts. May Mother Mary sweep all dangers from the road ahead and lead them from safely hit where they're going. Padre West, these two faithful servants have shouldered more than their share of life's burdens already. Please, God, may you see fit. Relieve them of any further torment, yet not as we will, it, but as thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Lydia says. Behind her at the little desk with closed eyes and clutch crayons, Luca is moving his lips. Hermana Cecilia leans forward one last time. Be careful who you talk to, she says. That night, Lydia wakes to the sound of raised voices in the corridor. She sits up in the half-light of the bunk room. <laughs> Notice the several other women popping up from their beds as well. They move slightly back, they move slightly to check on their children who sleep through the ruckus. Luca is above her in the top bunk, while so Lydia has to disentangle her leg from the backpack stuff she wrapped around it before she fell asleep. She stands to bare her feet, cool against the tile floor, and reaches for his rumpled covers. Luca is not there. Panic rises in her throat. Luca, she checks her own bed again without meaning to, and then the surrounding beds. As well as, as as if her child is an item, she is unthinkingly mis- misplaced. A cell phone, a book, a pair of glasses, there's a window on the door that leads to the corridor, and a rectangle of light shining through it. Lydia, without her shoes or bra, bolts toward the patch of light. This is Luca's third trip to the bathroom since they got into bed a few hours ago. The murky lemonade returns. Being on the tub, Monk has made his frequent sprints to the toilet extra. Challenging, but Mamie so exhausted that she never wakes, not even when he nearly steps on her shoulder, as he clambers down, not even when she lands with an indelicate thump just inches from her head, not even as he runs quickly in the gate of the diuretically infirm from bunk to bathroom and back again. The hallway where he sees Padre Ray and Nestor talking to a young man in the door of the men's bunk for a Luca re- recognizes the young man as a migrant who arrived late that afternoon before dinner. He's wearing long red shorts and a white t shirt, socks but no shoes, and he's carrying his backpack in front of him, unzipped. There's a pair of clean, expensive white stickers on the floor beside him. At least get, let me get dressed first, he says. Man, this is bullshit. You're supposed to help people. Nessa steps behind him into the darkened interior of the dorm room between the man and the sleeping migrants beyond. We can talk further, but not here. You are disturbing the whole fat soul facility, Padre raised us calmly. Please just come with us to the main room where we can talk without waking everyone. This is bullshit, Padre. That puta is lying, the man says, raising his voice to shout. Bullshit! Inside the dorm room, several men get out of their bunks and stand alongside Nester, creating a kind of wall. They cross their arms, plant their, wide, their legs wide. Lucas stays frozen in a spot beside the bathroom door. He should turn and go the other way. He should scoot down the hall and back to the women and children's room. He should climb back up past Mammy's head and settle himself into the covers where he should allow his body to temporarily relieve the system to rest. But he is paralyzed, transfixed. He is unaware of his long racing pulse. His shallow breath, his fingers scabble into the smooth scan- seams between the painted cinder blocks of the wall behind him. Jingle to madre, the young, the young man yells. Let's go, Amano. It's the first time Luca has heard Nestor use his voice. It's as solidly built as his body. Don't make it harder than it has to be. The young man stoops and grabs his sneakers with one hand as Nestor and the other man close the door. This is behind him, encouraging him into the hallway without touching him. When he straightens to follow Padre right down the corridor, Luca knows the shape of a sickle tattoo with three blood red troubles and the blade jutting out from the man's sock. It's carved into the calf muscle of his right leg. Luca doesn't know what the tattoo means exactly, but he doesn't need to understand it for it to amplify his sense of dread. That, lucky, that bloody sickle and stick looking from the wall and sends him dashing down the hallway back to the women's dorm. He runs bang into Mamie as he barrels, barrels through the door. Luca, she says, oh my god, Luca, where were you? She doesn't wait for an answer. He has around her hands around his shoulders and she places him farther inside the room before sticking her out into the hallway to see what all the noise is about, but all she can see is Nestor and a few other men falling, Padre Ray toward the front of the building. She goes back inside and allows the door to click behind her. Luca is trembling. What happened? she whispers. She sh- he shakes his head. But what was all the shouting about? He shakes his head. He shakes again and his face looks all carved up with worry. It's okay, she says. It's okay, it's okay. She pulls him into her arms and crushes his head against her chest. His little arms reach around behind her and cling. They stay like that until she lifts him under the armpit. He's too big for it and his weight is enough that she struggles beneath it. But he wraps his legs around her waist and she carries him back to their bunk. He doesn't go up to the top bed this time. She makes her body into a shield behind and around him. He wraps one arm around and leg over the top of a small figure, makes a breath deep and slow for him so that his breath will wind up with hers so that he'll rest and sleep. The lady stays vigilant until morning. Thanks for listening to this chapter. Have a good week and stay safe.